Good afternoon, everyone. It is afternoon, yes, it is. <laughs> so um, today, just today, I'm going to be sharing with everyone um, what is the good news to me and what, yeah, what is the good news to me. Um, for the most part, some of you know that I wasn't born a Christian. So even though my name is Moses, I was born a Muslim. Um, my name from birth is actually Muhammad. So I changed my name legally after I became a Christian. Um, yeah, after baptism, I became a Christian, changed my name legally. Um, so I'm going to share a bit about just me as an individual and kind of share how God has kind of spoken through scripture and different things in my life and how I now kind of grasp the good news. Um, so a bit of how I actually came to faith. Um, I used to work in Sainsbury's, not the most glamorous of places, but hey, it works. Um, and there was an individual there um, who we used to speak, to, I used to speak to quite a lot. We went to the same uni um, we pretty much worked the same shifts. I knew that he was a Christian, um, but I, did, I didn't really want anything to do with God. Um, things were kind of going wrong in my life, and I was blaming God, and I was blaming other people in my life. Um, I was kind of pointing things at people saying, you're the reason this happened, you're the reason that happened. And the ultimate finger was towards God. I was like, God, I'm a decent person. Why are you letting all of these things happen to me? Um, and it's even bizarre how I got that job. Um, there was a time when I was literally like, had no money on me. I knew a few people who were doing things they shouldn't do. And I was so tempted to call them and say, yo, like, <laughs> like help me out. I need, I need some money. Help me out. And literally, the same day that I was thinking about contacting these friends, I got a call from Sainsbury's offering me a job interview. My sister had dropped in my CV without me knowing. So the same day that I was contemplating this, Sainsbury's actually called me to offer me a job interview, which I got the job. This was years before I actually had that conversation. So even there, I kind of see God's hand moving and like lining me up with this job around these people who then fed into my life. Um, so as I said, things were going wrong in my life. Um, I fathered a child. The relationship with the mother of the child and the mother broke down. I bought my first car, a metallic orange Renault Clio. Yes. That was my favorite car. Even up until this day, I loved that car. Like, I did the tinted windows. I personally changed all the speakers. It had rims. It had the whole nine yards. I crashed it. So, yeah, it was like, I loved that car, but I crashed it. Um, and uni wasn't going too well. I was in my first year of uni. So I was like 18 in my first year of uni. And it wasn't going so well because of all of these stresses. Um, so I was literally living between uni and work, just trying to get more money to buy a different car. And just, yeah, just thinking as though everything was just wrong. Um, during that period, I went through severe depression to the point where I started cutting myself. And my mom found out. She made me promise not to do it. So I said, all right. Then I started getting tattoos. Um, so it's just like just f trying to find different things to fill that void. Um, 
So one day when I was doing overtime, I started speaking to this guy who went to the same uni as me. And we were speaking about cars. So it, it wasn't even any luxurious car. We were speaking about like Ford Focuses, um, Puntos, just common everyday cars. And we were kind of dreaming, ah, oh, what car would you want to get? What car would you want to get? And randomly, I felt the urge to ask him about Jesus, about church. Later on, he told me that he felt the same urge at the same time to tell me about church. Um, so he started to share his story with me, told me how he used to be affiliated with a gang. Um, things went bad. He got beaten up on his way back home. Um, he almost had like an epiphany, and I was like, God, you know what? I'm going to give my life to you. Um, and that was a very similar story to what I had been living. Um, and as you were sharing it, I felt an urge to want to know this God, to want to connect with this God. And so, like, literally after the conversation, I was just like, give me Bible passages, let me go home and go read. So he literally, he said, read this passage, read that passage. I went home. I had, like, an old Gideon's Bible. I just went through the whole, I just went through all the scriptures he sent me. Um, but because I came from a Muslim household, it, it was a very difficult transition. It was a very difficult transition to not only have Muslim parents, but to have been pretty much raised with that understanding, with that teachings and everything. Like my circle of friends and stuff was very much Muslim. And so I started praying. I was like, God, I need confirmation as to, is this actually the path you want me to walk on? Or am I making a mistake? Um, the first night I prayed, there was a bright white flash in my room. And I got scared. So I stopped praying. And I told the boy who I spoke to initially, and I spoke to my sister as well, who had just recently become a Christian. And unknown to me, they were praying for me as well. And I told them that I would ask God to confirm it, if that was him to confirm it. So the next night, I went back into prayer, like with one eye open, hoping to see a flash of white light. But it didn't come. So I was a bit deflated. Um, decided to read my Bible afterwards because obviously he didn't speak through light. It might speak through his word. Um, so I was reading through Matthew where Jesus called his disciples. And I was just reading through the names and I came across Andrew. And I knew an Andrew at work, but he was like totally opposite from the Christian faith. So I looked at him and I was, I was stunned. I was like, I didn't know Andrew was a Christian name. Um, I left it as that. I went to sleep, woke up the next day, went to work. And I was on the till scanning people shopping. And there was, a, there was an individual who came onto my till. And he, he said, like, I'm, I'm on tills, so no one really stands up. I just noticed that people are on my till. And as he came towards me, as I started doing, scanning his shopping, the first question he asked me was, what church do you go to? And that was bizarre because I hadn't even told him I was a Christian. Um, and I was still kind of questioning the faith in the first place anyways. And I, so I told him, initially when he asked me the question, I didn't want to answer him. I didn't want to respond. There was a sense of resistance within me. But I felt as though, don't worry, just, just answer the question. So I was like, all right, cool. I told him what church I went to. I told him where it was. And he said he had heard God say that he should come to my till. And he had heard God say to him that 
um, to say to me that I should forget everything and just concentrate on getting to know God. But God just wants me back an intimate relationship with me. And we continued to shop. Obviously, I was stunned. I was just autopilot scanning the stuff. Towards the end of the shop, as he grabbed his bags, he turned around and said, oh, my name is Andrew. And then he walked out. So I was stunned. And I just flagged over the supervisor. I said, I, I need to get off this till. Like, I can't, I can't do this right now. What's wrong? I need to go to the toilet. Yeah, just let me go out. So I came off, went upstairs, had like a mini praise break. Came back downstairs, went straight to the guy who I had spoken to, told him about it. And we both just stood there, just amazed. Um, but after that, I decided to take God literally at his word. And I decided to do a three-day fast afterwards. Um, so I was like six to six each day. Decided to like pray, go out, read the Bible and stuff. And during, I believe, my first day of fasting, um, I received the vision, which I hold, as, which I believe is my uh, call to mission. Like, yeah, my call. And which I'm not actually going to get into. Um, I'll save that for another day. Um, but the scripture that was associated with that vision was Isaiah 6, which has just been read. Um, beautiful reading, by the way. And the things that stand out to me about this, like, it's been... So this happened when I was in uni, so I was around 19, 20. And I'm currently 28. God has been speaking to me using Isaiah 6 consistently throughout these years. So whenever I felt down, whenever I've doubted myself, whenever I've doubted my ministry, whenever I've doubted stuff that I'm doing, if it's effective or not, he's always taken me back to the scripture. And he's illuminated another part of it that has just encouraged me and it's kept me going. Um, so before Isaiah 6, Isaiah goes around pronouncing um, judgment over different, over different nations and different people. And at the beginning of Isaiah 6, we see that he has an encounter with God. And his first words is, Woe am I, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. So he was presented with his failings, his faults. And as I said, before my encounter with God, I was pointing my fingers at everybody else, even at God. And in me encountering God, I started to realize that, no, the fault, I'm at fault as well there's an issue with me, fundamentally. And the second part is, is what gives me so much hope, is that the seraphim picks up this holy coal, flies down and touches his lips, and he says, your guilt is taken away. You are now righteous before God, essentially. These seraphims who spoke and the whole temple shook, the foundations of the temple shook, just showing their immense power took and took off the coal and touched his lips and said essentially you're forgiven and I see this foreshadowing what Jesus has done for us in that Jesus said when he is lifted up he will draw men unto him and as we see Jesus in his risen state we see ourselves in comparison and we realize that we're at fault but yet yeah, his Holy Spirit takes his finished work and applies it to us and says that before him we stand righteous, we stand cleansed. And this, this to me shows of God's love that he doesn't just take a paintbrush and just sprinkles, just throws it out and whoever it touches 
by chance it touches, but that he, the seraphim picked up the coal and went personally to Isaiah and touched him with it. And he said, you are forgiven. Showing me that Christ's work is very personal. It is very intentional. He makes no mistakes. He touches us as individuals and says, you are forgiven. He knows your name. He knows who you are. And he says that you are accepted. Yes, you are undone. Yes, you are a man of unclean lips. But your sins are now forgiven. You personally, your sins are now forgiven. And then it moves on to... God's saying in the, in the passage, who shall I send? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me, Lord. That reminds me of Matthew 28. After Jesus has spent so much time with his disciples and poured into them and showed them their true worth and their true value, he now says, go out. Make disciples of the world. Teach them what I have taught you. Here we have someone actually willingly saying, God, here I am. What do you want to do through me? And this isn't, this call comes after God has showed him so much love. God has showed him so much worth and value where he knows that God's love in me or God's love in, God love in Isaiah is not based on him fulfilling what God is calling him to do. Even through mistakes, God still loves us. Even when we are wrong, when we make mistakes, when we fall short, God still loves us. Romans tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yet, later on, we realize that Christ died for, for us whilst we were yet sinners. And in Christ, what shall separate us from the love of God? So it's like we see that essentially of, of our own there is no hope for myself there was no hope I tried everything I tried everything that I could possibly try and there was no hope for me but this encounter with Jesus gave me so much purpose in life and just knowing that I am loved beyond anything that I can ever do say or amass and as he says here I am send me Jesus, um, God says, um, go and say to these people. And normally you'd think that it would be like, oh, um, the day of jubilation is coming. Um, you're going to reap a hundredfold. But he says, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the hearts of these people dull and their ears heavy. It goes on. It seems negative. But yeah, I find that so encouraging. Simply because as Christians and as believers, sometimes what we're called to do doesn't necessarily elicit the right, elicit the right this response we almost expect. Sometimes you can tell someone, Jesus loves you, and you will, be respond you will meet hostility just by telling them that they are loved. And it's like not allowing that to discourage you but knowing that God has still called you to spread his, his message, spread his word one thing that I'm encouraged by as well is that Isaiah's encounter with God did not end 
with that vision. He continued in a relationship with God. He continued hearing from God. He continued speaking on God's behalf. So it's like my encounter with Jesus eight, nine years ago hasn't ended there. It's continuing. And that's something that Jesus is doing. And it's a case of he continually wants a relationship with me. The relationship, he said, he's come to give us life eternal, and that eternal life is with him continually. It isn't something that stops at any point. And lastly, Isaiah asks, how long shall I do this? Again, the response is very negative. And yeah, I still find that so encouraging. Even when times are hard, even when things seem to be going so wrong, just knowing that this is, some, this is a service that God has called me to. It's not saying we shouldn't ensure that we are doing what we ought to do because sometimes we could be making a mistake that could be leading us down that road. But sometimes we know that, no, this, this is genuinely where I believe God is leading me. So in spite of whatever's happening, I'm still going to trust in God and walk. And this, this is where that almost faith not walking by sight, but by faith kind of comes into, into play. We are just trusting him that in spite of whatever it may look like, God is in control. So the good news for me looks like being accepted in spite of what I have done, in spite of what I can do, knowing that my acceptance isn't based on my purpose, my calling. My calling flows from my acceptance, but it isn't based on it. Knowing that Jesus loved me so much that he chose to become man and die, that I may catch a glimpse of a God that I wouldn't have otherwise. To know that he has willingly taken on my sin and he has given me his righteousness, his Holy Spirit now dwells in me, that is good news. Knowing that in and of myself, I have tried everything. Nothing worked. Jesus works. That to me is good news. Not knowing that my ministry doesn't have to be a success to know that Jesus loves me. My preaching doesn't have to be a success to know that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me irrespective of whatever I can achieve. And that is good news. And the one thing that I was reminded of as I was praying earlier is in Galatians 1 I believe another piece of text that God continued speaks to me through and Paul says the gospel I preach wasn't taught by wasn't taught by man but it was given to me by the revelation of Jesus Christ and I really want to encourage everyone not to just take my words and try to run from it but to actually engage with God and have a revelation of Christ for yourself have that revelation of Christ for yourself knowing that your relationship with Christ isn't based on what I say your, rela- yeah, your, re- your relationship with Christ isn't based on what I say I can help you by what I say but it's based on your revelation your personal encounter with him that is what sustains you you actually encountering God consistently that is what gives you purpose that is what allows you to know the love of God so that would be my major encouragement to yeah just strive for a relationship 
a revelation of Christ and allow that to be the foundation of your life. The revelation that Christ has given you of himself. Allow that to flow into your sense of worth, your sense of purpose, your sense of every, every, your, your entire being. Allow that to inform your identity and who you are. Because what the world says you are isn't what you are or who you are. What you th- who you think you are might not necessarily be who you are. But what Jesus says you are or who Jesus says you are is who you are. I'm just going to pray for us quickly. And yes. So Heavenly Father, truly I just thank you. Thank you for the good news that you love us. That your son came on earth that you may embrace us without any barriers, any hindrances, nothing between us, oh Lord. I pray, oh Lord, that every single person here might just be washed anew by your love, oh Father, Lord. That your love may truly just flood every single heart here and that they may encounter you that their faith, O Heavenly Father, will be built upon a revelation of their Savior. A revelation, O Heavenly Father, of the depth of the love that you have for us. The fact that we are accepted, the fact that we are loved, and the fact that nothing can change this. The fact, O Lord, that we, the best we can do won't increase your love for us, and our worst mistake won't diminish your love. I pray, O Lord, that we will have this Isaiah moment where we see the very heavens torn open and we behold our risen Savior. And we are so captivated by you. That likewise, we may raise our hands up when we feel the call. When you say, who shall I send? That willingly we will say, send me, Lord, here I am. And I pray, O Lord, that we won't despise or look down upon whatever you may call us to do. Whether it's talking to the homeless, spending time with the sick, standing in front of a church, volunteering, whatever it may look like, oh Father, that we won't look down on it. That we will know that you have called us to this and there is a purpose, there is, there is value in what you've called us to do. However mundane it may look. I pray, O Lord, that you may pronounce your love over every single person and you may speak into every single person's life, that you may speak over their identity and who they view themselves to be. I pray, O Lord, that truly you may touch every single life and your son may be glorified in every life and through every life. Amen. Thank you, Mo. Let's give him another round of applause.